I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Up steps Molina. Drags it wide. The tension too much. The Granada fans turn away. Lothano is on. You can see him in the middle of the box there. Cross and there is Lothano and Cadiz with the goal. And it's an absolutely crucial goal. Look at the reaction <laughs> of the fans. Absolute scenes in Mendy Tharotha with the Cadiz fans. It's Anthony Lothano with his seventh goal of the season. Momentarily, it takes Cadiz out of the bottom three and drops Granada into trouble. They've just missed a penalty. Tears in the eyes of the visiting Cadiz fans who can hardly believe it. Hello, everyone. Yes, that was the decisive moment of Matchday 38 in the relegation battle in La Liga. Welcome along to La Liga Lowdown's Matchday 38 recap. I'm your host, Matt Clark, and I'm joined by the fabulous Rory Barlow, once again, um, yeah, Granada are gone. They've been relegated uh, just one season after being in the Europa League quarterfinals um, and Cadiz and Mallorca are celebrating their survival in La Liga. Rory, what was your take on the drama as it unfolded on the final day? Yeah, well, with apologies to, to Granada fans, it was fantastic entertainment. Um, I was writing about it before. I think if it's the cruelest type of entertainment is when somebody, you know, somebody's not going to survive. Your kind of teams are on the precipice of going down. Um, but that is what makes it so entertaining. I, I don't think anybody saw this coming. I think this was the biggest shock. I think this was the last combination of results that people saw almost was Granada going down, essentially. They came very close to winning this game, but ultimately wasn't enough um, and the cruelest part of it all was that it was Jorge Molina who who ultimately will probably bear a good bit of the responsibility um, having done so much for them and having been such a, a brilliant centre forward for Granada yeah um, heartbreaking both both for um, Los Nazaris and and Molina himself yeah I mean just just on Molina it's it's staggering, isn't it? Just a couple of weeks ago, he was he was M- pretty much MVP with that six-two win over Mallorca, and after that result in on the island of Mallorca, you're thinking there's no way Mallorca can survive. 
and and Granada have just turned the turned the corner and will be flying to safety. And and to be fair, they've only lost one game under Itokaranka, which was away at Betis, which I'm sure we can forgive them. They just couldn't get the goal today. And like you say, Molina from the penalty spot, 40 year old against 40 year old keeper Diego Lopez in goal. Um, just the cruelest way possible. He. He, of course, missed a penalty for Hetafe in the Europa League against Inter a couple of seasons ago, uh, which, which could have made that tie all, all, all different. Um, and yeah, for him to be such a revelation uh, player for Granada, do so well under first Diego Martinez and now this season too, it's just such a shame that it's him that missed a penalty. His record isn't great, it must be said. I think he's missed seven of 16 penalties in La Liga. But, you know, he was the one with the juegos to step forward and take it. Um, and yeah, it's just gutting to see him at the end in tears. And he was consoled by Angel Herrera, who of course played for Granada last season, now with Espanyol. Um, and yeah, and it just makes you think, doesn't it? How, what a job Diego Martinez did last season, because even amid that incredible Europa League run, they were ninth in La Liga this season, 18th. Um, yeah, just devastating for Granada. And and uh, yeah, where do they go from here? I mean, we've, we've heard Heath many times talking about the, the off-field problems with the sports management, but um, will they bounce back, do you think? Well, I think it very much depends on kind of where they go and how they rebuild. I think it's it's quite an aging squad. It's not not full of younger players. And I think that they'll be, they'll be selling a lot of their talent. I don't think Luis Suarez will stay down there. Jorge Molina himself, I saw if Bordelas stays, then maybe he'll go to Valencia and, and join him back there. Um, but... It's, it's difficult to say because I think the summer will define so much but I did see someone I think it was Ruben Moray uh, tweeting that uh, this is what happens if you give the keys to Robert Moreno and I think obviously he has a large chunk of the responsibility but I think this is more what happens when you when you plan things so poorly and it's what he's said if you do have three managers in the space of a season the chances are that you're not going to achieve your objectives and, and Granada, they've got more than enough quality to be staying in the division. Ultimately, as much as, as this is sort of a painful blow and, and you look at the quality they have and, and how close they came, if you can't beat an Espanyol side that's been pretty limp at home or pretty limp in recent weeks at home, you get a penalty and you have all the pressure... You just have to get the result. And you look at the other two teams. They went away from home. And Alaves, okay, they're maybe not the most difficult. But Osasuna are definitely the most difficult of the three. And it's Granada who came up shortest when, when it mattered most. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you say that uh, about the coaches. Because the three clubs that have gone down, Levante, Alaves, and of course now Granada, all three have got through three coaches in this season. Which is pretty, pretty telling, I would suggest. Um, I'm sure you'd concur mm -hmm. there. Uh, Sam Leverage tweeting that just imagine if Granada had, had appointed Carranca when they sacked Moreno rather than having that kind of interim Ruben Torrecilla for, for a few weeks. I, I mean, admittedly, Torrecilla did okay, but Carranca's, uh, he did revive them. And you just wonder, a couple more weeks, they could have got a couple more wins and they'd have been nowhere near danger. But uh, as it is, they have fallen. And the way it unfolded was uh, very dramatic. And it was nil-nil at half-time in all of the matches, you, you were messaging me saying, there's not a lot to talk about right now. Uh, <laughs> and as, as it stood, it was Cadiz that were going to go down. Sergio was, was facing back-to-back -back final day relegations. But there was that spell. Granada missed a penalty. Jorge Molina pushing it wide. And then just a couple of minutes later, Cadiz make a substitution, bring on Chocolatano. He scores at Mendizorota in the, in the pouring rain. 
and that's the goal that caddies need to take them to safety and and then Granada are throwing everything at it and Carlos Baca hits the post 93rd minute and uh, yeah it just it just didn't fall for them and and that's how it finished um, but yeah so let's let's move on to the teams that have secured salvation Cadith and Mallorca and Rory you you've you got a lot of love for Cadith and I'm pretty sure you want to apologize again for your your Sergio Solander yeah well um I've, t I've turned it to my advantage and I'm now um fully on his bandwagon but <laughs> just incredible what a job he's done um and going back to that coaches thing yeah okay Mallorca and Cadith both changed coaches but they knew exactly what they wanted and who they wanted and they got them in and they changed managers earlier. They knew they had a plan for, for when it went wrong and it came off. And I think with Sergio, yeah, I mean, I, I said it all last time, last time I was speaking about it. Like he, the ambition that he's given, the way that Gareth believed against the bigger teams and, and didn't always get results, but picked up a few points. I mean, against Madrid, they could have won that game very easily, but that point turned out to be vital. And, and yeah, it's just, full-on praise for him and what he's done with a squad that most of us didn't believe was good enough. And I think maybe Cadiz, within their minds, it's set in that they didn't think they were good enough. They didn't have the quality to stay up. But Sergio gave them that belief back. And, and the way that they took the game to, to the Real Madrid's, to the Barcelona's, to the Atleti's, I think that mindset was probably the difference between them staying up and going down because, because yeah, they, they pulled out results when they really shouldn't have. And they've only lost four times since uh, since February the 5th against Mallorca when they lost that match. And that they're all against teams in the top sort of seven or eight. So yeah, full on credit to Sergio and an incredible effort from Cadiz to stay up because still, if we look at quality, probably in the bottom three. Yeah, and of course it could have been the story that it was Negredo's penalty miss last week, which ultimately cost them. That would have given them potentially a win over Real Madrid. But uh, yeah, I mean, incredible impact from Sergio. He's, uh, he came in, Alvaro Severa, club legend, had, had taken 14 points from 20 matches. And then Sergio's come in and taken 25 from 18. So a clear upturn there in fortunes. That win at Cam now looking absolutely pivotal. Um, and yeah, Granada though, for their part, unbeaten against Barca and Atleti this season, and they've gone down. It's, uh, it's a cruel old game, this football, isn't it? But um, Unfortunately, three teams have to go down, uh, and and it was Granada that, that fell today. Elsewhere in the bottom half, these fixtures didn't mean too much, but we'll have to mention them anyway. Um, Elche won 3-1 over Hetafe, uh, a couple of late goals from Kike Perez to give the home side um, a 3-1 win, and their best ever La Liga points tally of 42 points, so congratulations to Elche. Uh, Rayo, for their part, they, uh, they lost at home again, uh, shipping another four goals to already relegated Levante. Uh, Levante signing off there with a nice win. Uh, they ended up only four points off Salvation after all that. So once again, Lishi's impact, very positive. They'll be hoping to keep hold of him in Segunda. Um, what else have we got? Valencia won against Celta on Saturday, which was uh, the kind of randomly placed uh, game uh, Saturday afternoon. But of course, all the talk of that one was the protest off the pitch. Uh, fans very much not happy with uh, Peter Lim and Anil Murti in the week of the audios. Um, so yeah, Roy, I'll just throw it to you. Any particular reflections on, on any of those games or teams as, as the season finishes? No, especially. I mean, we could go into depth on Francisco and what a fantastic job he's done in terms of that. Liski, um, I saw a very good tweet that was um, essentially just praising him, saying that if his name was Alessic um, Lishmacher or something along those lines, then we would 
all be praising him for what a tactical genius he was. Um, don't know if I go quite that far, but uh, certainly there's there's a point to be made about how much he's gotten out of Levante in the second half of the season. Um, and yeah, c- coming on to Valencia, Anil Murti and his audios, go and read about that in depth because we can't cover it um, well enough in this podcast, but just incredible photos to see Mestaya almost totally empty and the streets totally full. And that's the kind of the visual impact of that. I thought it was worth a thousand words. That's that's the cliche, but it, it applies here. And um, yeah, incredible effort from Libertad um, VCF who, who mobilized the support for that. Yeah, check out Paco Pollitt's timeline, uh, his Spanish account or indeed his English account for uh, threads on the, the Murti audios and of course coverage of that. A uh, very big protest uh, outside Mistaya on Saturday. So yes, um, that's the bottom half done. We're, we're now going to hear from Alex Fitzpatrick, uh, Mallorca fan. Very happy today. We we did try and hook up Paul McGarrigy, but uh, he's a little bit uh, uh, eleven points deep. I think you said after Manchester City's title win today. <laughs> so yeah, it would have been an interesting uh, uh, conversation there. But uh, we've uh, we've got our very very able deputy in Alex Fitzpatrick. So let's hear from him after Mallorca also secured safety with their first away win since before Christmas. Um, and yeah, what a time to do it. It came at us at our 2-0. Uh, so you spoke to him a little earlier. And after that, we'll head to the break. I'm joined by Alex Fitzpatrick of the Smash Segunda podcast, a jubilant Alex Fitzpatrick, I imagine. After Mallorca beat Osuna 2-0 away from home, secured their safety. Alex, first of all, how are you doing? Yeah, very good, as you might imagine after that result. Yeah, it was an incredible uh, incredible occasion for Mallorca. They flew out their fans and they subsidised all their tickets. 50 euros it cost for a flight to and from Pamplona on the same day and uh, and the ticket as well, which was I thought was pretty incredible from the club. But delving into the game itself, 2-0, it was quite tight for quite a long time. Eventually, they sort of go ahead through a beautiful Angel, Angel goal. And then later on, they get the second. Take us through the game and, and what you kind of thought of it from a Mallorca perspective. How good were they? Because they looked pretty solid to me. Well, the first half was not pretty from a Mallorca point of view. Osasuna really came out in the beginning of the game and, and looked to get the goal. And it was, of course, our old centre-forward, Ante Budimir, who was the one who was uh, on the end of everything and uh, sniffing around looking for a goal. He didn't leave the club on good terms and hasn't really had a very good reception from Mallorca fans whenever, um, whenever there's been any contact between them since then. And... I think you could see the determination in how he was playing, trying to get a goal. And, and he was very close on a few occasions in that first half. Mallorca weathered an early storm in the first half through through the middle of the uh, first half. They kind of took hold of it a little bit more. Salva Sevilla had a free kick, which was uh, tipped over the bar. Uh, but then in the final sort of five to ten minutes of that first half, Osasuna came again. And I think 
you know, Mallorca were holding on a little bit and half-time came at a really, really good point for them um, to, to get in at nil-nil as all the relegation games, of course, went in at nil-nil. So they will have been delighted to go in at nil-nil. And then the second half was very, very much different from the first, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And Clement Grenier got the sort of goal that sealed it. Um, Mariki was involved in in both goals. And, and I think he's been possibly the January signing with Aubameyang of, of, of the window, um, so to speak. But just take me through kind of the reactions and the emotions. Because Mallorca, I, I mean, for a long time, they were kind of head above water. They slid into the relegation zone under Luis Garcia. He obviously gets sacked and and... Granada, 6-2 at home, you must have been thinking the very worst of it. What was it like? And, and just kind of sum up the, the group think reaction from Mallorca fans to, to staying up. Well, you talked about Luis Garcia Plata and, you know, credit to him for getting the team up and then for what he did in the first half of the season. But it really was on the slide in the second half of the season. I have to say that some of that was down to some unfortunate injuries and some issues. You know, that really derailed the season for Mallorca. But after six defeats in a row, they sacked him and in came Aguirre. He changed things in a way which Luis Garcia Plata wouldn't. He was quite uh, stubborn, Luis Garcia Plata. And at that point, Mallorca fans really felt that they were going down. There was a downward trajectory. They didn't see how Mallorca could really dig themselves out of it. And Javier Aguirre coming in sort of changed that. They they got they were narrowly defeated away to Hetafe in, in their in their first game, and then I think they they picked something up in the second game under Aguirre, and that really got the ball rolling. But as you say, the the, the six two defeat to Granada, and everybody thought that we were dead and buried once again. Uh, but then to come out from that and show the spirit and get a point away in Sevilla. Uh, and then and then get the really late winner from Abdon Prats against Rayo on the penultimate day of the season to, to go into this game in Osasuna knowing that it was in our own hands and that if we won, we would stay up. Uh, was just incredible, really. I don't think Mallorca fans felt that they would be in that position after those six defeats in a row when Luis Garcia Plata was sacked and then it became seven defeats in a row after Javier Aguirre's first game in charge. Yeah, it was it was very heartwarming scenes. There was tears in the stands were kind of being shown, and uh, yeah, all sorts of emotions flying around at the end of the end of the game. The New York players obviously went across to the corner where the where the fans were, and it was it was sensational to see. It's exactly what you want from your your final day of the season. Summing up the season, Mallorca obviously stay up, objective achieved. This is a good season, is it? And uh, kind of looking forward, do you think Aguirre is going to stick around? Well, Aguirre will stick around. So in the after-match press conference, it's kind of been an open secret amongst the press that basically he had signed. And if he kept Mallorca up, then it would be extended automatically into a, a second year. So he will stay. And he, I understand, insisted on that on signing because in the past he's been seen as sort of a, a relegation saviour and not always been successful with that as we saw with Leganes a couple of years ago although he got them incredibly close in, in tough circumstances and I think what he wanted to guarantee when he took this job at Mallorca was that he would have a job next season if he managed to complete his objective he didn't just want to come in as a firefighter do nine games in, even if he got the job done, be out of the door. He wanted mm-hmm. really to, to, to have a job for um, for a longer period of time than that. 
In terms of is it a good season, objective completed? Well, no, it's not a good season at all. Mallorca, though they were out of the bottom three for incredibly long periods and had only dropped into it for the first time uh, when Luis Garcia Plata was sacked, which some some would see as as harsh. It's not been a great season for Mallorca. Some of that's been down to the recruitment by uh, Pablo Ortiz, who's the sporting director. Some of it's been good, some of it's been woeful, and the, the, where the money has been spent, it's not been particularly spent well. For example, Matthew Hoppe, who came in from the Bundesliga for around about two to three million euros, has, has barely played at all. I don't think started any games, just come off the bench, not scored and not been in with a sniff. And centre-forward has been the position where Mallorca have really struggled. We talked about Budimir earlier. They have never replaced Budimir since he left, despite taking €8 million Euros for his uh, signing when he left to go to Osasuna at the beginning of last season. And uh, they got to the halfway mark of the season and realised that the centre-forward position was really where they were lacking. And that's where Mariki came in. You mentioned earlier he's been transformational. He has, not necessarily in terms of his goals, although his stats for goals and assists have been okay, but more in terms of his influence on the team, the fact that he's a focal point, the fact that he brings players in. And, you you, you know, you saw from his assist for the first goal this evening where, you know, he played the lovely wall pass to uh, to Angel to, to get in on goal and, and get that shot away uh, and score the opening goal of the game. How important he has been. He also wants to stay, but I think uh, the price will be a bit of a sticking point. Interesting. Fascinating to, to kind of get that nuance. Um, it was uh, great to sort of hear from you and, and get your thoughts on the final day of the season and, and a brilliant day for Mallorca. Um, and uh, excited to see what they do in the summer with Javier Aguirre. But thanks very much, Alex. You're very welcome. Thanks for and, having me. Yeah, definitely go and check out the Spanish Segunda show. Um, check them out on Twitter and go and listen to the podcast. Very few, if any, uh, English language sources that will cover it in as much depth as they will. So go and check that out. But thank you, Alex. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown, our final match day recap of the season. In the top half, the only thing that was really on the line was the final European place, the uh, UEFA Conference League, of course. Uh, it was between Athletic and Villarreal. And to be honest, I was kind of thinking Athletic had the odds, but uh, Villarreal won at Camp now, so they become Spain's first representative in that competition. And Athletic, after falling at Sanchez Piz 1, uh, finished 8th and just missing out. Uh, so you had a, a very interesting, insightful conversation with Benyat Gutierrez, uh, Athletic fan. Uh, he had some very interesting things to say on all things Athletic and Marcelino. So, uh, so let's hear from him right now. And I am joined by Benyat Gutierrez to talk about Athletic Club. How are you doing, Benyat? One 0 defeat for Athletic on the final day of the season, but uh, yeah, spirits. How are they? How are they? Yeah, it's um, I guess it's the result we were expecting, uh, considering how the season has gone. And it's not that I feel it's a big disappointment. Maybe there are going to be some commentary towards the attitude at the end of the game. But uh, if you look at the season, and we'll have time to, to do it, um, it was unrealistic to think that Atleti was going to be able to reach a European competition spot. Actually, what is surprising is that after so many missed opportunities during the year that Athletic reached this moment and reached the last day with a chance to, to get a spot for the conference. So there's many things to, to take care now and those are going to be really, really important weeks for the future, the near future of Athletic Club because in a couple of weeks there'll be presidential elections and that's going to shape the future of Athletic. Yeah, we'll come on to them very shortly. A 1-0 defeat in Seville, as I was saying. And Rafa Mir got the goal. Yuri had a goal disallowed. Um, I mean, I was watching kind of the multi-goal coverage, so it was across the three games, but I kind of thought Athletic looked a little bit unlucky. Was that your kind of impression? Or, or yeah, or your thoughts? Yeah, there could be um, some situations where the game could have gone on a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is true that... Um, the result of Villarreal was uh, making this completely irrelevant. Mm-hmm. I feel that had an impact on the way Athletic played the last minutes of the game, where it felt a little bit lack of uh, intensity, but uh, I guess it's uh, understandable because there was nothing on the line for them. Uh, probably, you know, if the, uh, the Yuri goal, um, obviously, um, it was a right decision by the referee. Then we can have an argument about if those rules make some sense. But that was the rule, and that was perfectly implemented there. And then we have another issues with with the rules that uh, probably are too far from the actual spirit of of what the rules should be. Um, but it was a tight game. It was uh, the kind of game uh, many people were expecting, and. The problem is that, uh, once again, we didn't see an impressive athletic on the day that mattered the most. And that was something I was getting a lot in Bilbao in the recent days. 
Um, obviously, when you're not depending on yourself to, to reach a goal, um, there's, there's nothing you can do. You're depending, in this case, it was Barcelona and Villarreal. Mm-hmm. But I was seeing a lot of people uh, saying, okay, you know what, like, uh, it doesn't matter if we don't reach the conference. It's about having a good performance on a day that matters. And again, that didn't happen. Yeah, interesting you say that. I, I did see a stat that it was of the last sort of seven games where Atleti could come within a point of Europe, they'd drawn two and lost the other five, which is pretty damning and it kind of speaks to what you were saying. In terms of the season as you whole, as a whole, yeah. obviously eighth place, semi-finals of the Copa del Rey. It was close, but not quite there. But how did you feel it went on, on the whole? Give us your assessment. That's a, that's a great debate to have. We could probably take hours for this. Um, the thing is that uh, what happened with the Copa del Rey, uh, okay, yeah, very exciting. Uh, Athletic sent home um, Barcelona, sent home Real Madrid. But in the end, what happened is that Athletic did the work for other teams. They didn't have to beat them to win the Copa del Rey. <laughs> Athletic was the, the useful uh, dam in that sense in this, in this Copa del Rey, uh, which... Obviously, we shouldn't uh, discredit that because it was a good performance. But after so many years where Athletic has been close to win a title in the Copa, um, that's not enough. At this point, it doesn't matter who you get to play with. It doesn't matter how people here need a, needs a title. And in that sense, the Copa del Rey felt a little bit like a disappointment after doing what felt like the most difficult part of the task that then and again again the team wasn't able to to close the deal um and in, in the league we we're talking about it earlier um there there is so many missed opportunities every time that they had a chance to reach a european competition spot you knew that they were gonna fail and, and they failed and it's quite surprising that they they were able to meet their chances till uh, this day, till the last uh, game of the season, because that was the, the the routine we were into. And there was almost a joke, like, okay, yeah, if we won two games and we're close to uh, conference or even Europa League when that was reachable, there was uh, that idea in the air that they were going to lose. And, and that happened a lot of times. And, and the team hasn't been able to get good results uh, consistently during the season. That's why even... There was sort of a hype in the last couple of weeks about reaching the Conference League. I don't think it was realistic because Athletic needed to get almost all the points. And that was something that didn't happen during the season. And there were no indicators that the team was doing the things particularly better to think that that was going to change. Um, you know, to evaluate the season, uh, now we need to put several things on a balance. Um, and I feel the problem is that Atleti got in the middle of the way. I didn't deliver the results because not reaching a European spot is sort of disappointing. And at the same time, that uh, renovation of the team, that clear uh, confidence on the young players, that didn't happen either. It is true that there were some injuries, for example, at the end of the season with Sunset. But even uh, considering the, the injuries, um, they are in key positions where there are players that seem to have a big future in the club that Marcelino has kept uh, prioritizing veteran players that seem far from their best year. So 
Um, I think we're going to have soon uh, a verdict on, on the season and we're going to have it with the, the elections and the decisions that are going to happen probably in the next couple of days. Interesting. And obviously the elections play a big part. They take part sort of towards the end of June, um, mid to late June. Marcelino has said that there's a 50% chance that he won't be here next season. First of all, I want you to tell me if you think he's going to be there. Um, it signs point to he's not. Second of all, the point was made on La Liga TV by Graham Hunter and Chapi Ferrer that they weren't sure who they were going to get in that's better than Marcelino. Is that the feeling in Bilbao? Do you feel like there's there's better out there? And uh, so, yeah, do you think he's going to stay? And do you want him to stay, essentially? <laughs> okay, so first one, I don't think he's going to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, none of the two candidates that officially launched their campaigns uh, put him as the first option. We already had some um, moments with Marcelino in the press conference when he seemed really, really upset that he wasn't the first option for any of those two candidates. It is true that while we're talking, uh, rumors are growing that there's going to be a third candidate. But everything we know about this uh, third candidate, uh, the businessman Juno Rierte, was pointing towards more international profiles for the uh, coaching role and also for the whole um, Lezama direction. Uh, apparently, is really interested in the model of uh, Red Bull Academy. Um, and that that's a, a thing we hear from other candidates. So it doesn't seem... I'm not sure either if Marcelino really wants to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I, I get the feeling that he's looking for a way out, uh, but not looking like he's the one who's saying, like, you know what, like, I want to leave. <laughs> but... Uh, the important thing, and, and, and I think that's what makes this scenario so interesting for the elections, is that when you ask on the street, most of people want Marcelino to stay. Most of fans want Marcelino to stay. So it's clear for me that if a candidate can reach an, an agreement with Marcelino, that's a candidate who's going to win. Uh, but none of them seem to be keen on that. So it's, it's, it's really like a, a, a really, it's, it's a mind game. Uh-huh. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that uh, candidates are aware of this, so that's why my uh, I'm inclined to think that Marcelino is not so so uh, committed to to stay here. Personally, I think Athletic needs someone who completely shake and uh, shakes the ground of the of the club in a way um, like Marcelo Bielsa did in in the moment. He's not because Marcelino hasn't, yeah, because not because <laughs> Marcelino is not doing a good job, because but because it seems that the the team is stuck at the level and it's been for a couple of years and um, it, it's worth taking the risk and trying to see if we can get a little bit uh, farther. Um, and also because Marcelino is such a, a strict coach with his, um, with, 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 with the way he likes to play and I'm not sure that he has the players to do it. And in other clubs, they could be like, okay, you know what, like we're going to just do a transition this summer. We're going to bring you the people you need. That can happen in Bilbao. So I don't see perspectives that he's going to be able to implement his idea of, of football better than he has done it at this point. And I feel what we've seen at this point is unfortunately not enough. Fascinating. That, it's really, really interesting to hear those opinions because uh, I think obviously 
athletic they have their own kind of echo chamber and their own bubble yeah. um and and it's hard to sort of get into that unless you you are on the ground which is obviously why we came to you but uh thank you so much for that benya it was it was really fascinating to hear your thoughts on it thanks for having me no problem and uh yeah hope it's a good summer at athletic and uh somebody who shakes it up comes in thank you very much there to benya go and check him out on twitter being at guti um, yeah, Rory then, Villarreal qualifying for Europe once again. The, the top seven in La Liga, exactly the same as last season. Um, this is an achievement for Villarreal though, isn't it? To, to qualify for Europe again. It's something they, they give a lot of respect to and uh, was important, I think, after the Champions League semi-finals to, to be in Europe again. Yeah, I think it's almost a, a comical situation in the fact that Villarreal probably have a decent shot at winning the, the Conference League next year. And I wonder if we'll be back this time next year, talking about Unai Emery's incredible European record and slightly disappointing league record again. Because, I mean, we, we all kind of thought before the season that Villarreal would be challenging for top four. It's where they should be. It's where their budget puts them um, and, frankly, where the squad puts them. So it's, yeah, given the Champions League thing, the Champions League run, this is an incredibly good season for Villarreal. Let's make no bones about this. This is kind of once-in-a-lifetime stuff for, for people at La Ceramica, watching Bayern Munich, watching um, this great Liverpool side. So, yeah, putting that in context, it's been a really good season. But there's no doubt about it that this Conference League is a consolation prize for what's been an inconsistent league season. And there's mitigating factors. There's an injury to Gerard Moreno. But in terms of league form... Emery, he's probably on his last chance next season in, in terms of fixing that. And maybe he wins the Conference League and we're back here again. But I do think he needs to be at least putting up more of a fight to the likes of Sevilla. Yes, well, of course, his one of his failings in the league was always struggling to win against the big sides. And that's exactly what they did today. A 2-0 win at Cam now. His first win there, his first result there of any kind of positive nature after 13 consecutive defeats at Camp Nou, including, of course, that brutal 6-1 in the Champions League, which you were there for. Um, not jealous at all. And then, yeah, so uh, a great one for Emery to finish the season on. He, he seemed very, very happy with that on a personal level and, of course, for Villarreal. Um, on to Barca then. Another home defeat. Too many of those this season. Uh, I think it's a, a record that goes back to the 80s, the last time they lost as many at home in the league. But um, progress under Xavi or... Or still work to be done in the summer? Yeah, I mean, if you'd cut off the season in about mid-April, it would have been absolutely fine. Um, I think Barcelona, they've not been great since then. And I think more than anything else, all it's done is drive up the frustration levels of Xavi. I think you could see him on the touchline with veins pulsing um, and echoing a lot of this, the sort of feelings of some of the fans. I mean, look at today. Barcelona beat themselves almost as much as Villarreal did. Um, Adama Traore, first goal, he doesn't track his runner uh, and very clearly gets beaten in a foot race when he's faster than Pedraza um, because he's not paying attention. And then for the second goal, assists Moy Gomez in quite simply the worst piece of defending I think I've seen all season. So... Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't want to sort of beat on Adama on his probably his last appearance in the camp now, but what, what can you do about that kind of stuff? I mean, you don't even see that in kids' football, the second one. It's, it's really, really grim. 
Is there work for Xavi to do? Yes, of course. I, th I think Xavi, in certainly the latter stages of the season, we've seen a team that's tired mentally. We've seen a very formulaic style of attack. I think that's the main sort of issue to to deal with. I mean, even today you saw them getting out wide a lot, and I agree that if there's a lot of players in the centre, you need to attack the wings. That's fundamental. I understand that, but the complete lack of invention and lack of trust in their own quality to get through the middle. I think that's a problem too. And I, I think that y you make yourself one dimensional if you're going out to the wings as well. So yeah, I think Chabi does need to fix that. He needs to needs to work on it, but ultimately it's just good that it's the end of the season for Barcelona. They need to come back refreshed with a different mentality. As Danny Alves said, whether he'll be there, I don't know, with some new players and completely kind of reset again. Yeah, big summer ahead. The futures of uh, Lewandowski, uh, Dembélé and many others up in the air. Uh, plenty of work for uh, sporting director to do, I'm sure. Um, elsewhere in the top half then, uh, Real Madrid closed their successful champion season with a 0-0 draw at home to Real Betis. Uh, there was a double pasillo, both teams giving each other a guard of honour uh, for their respective triumphs this season. But of course, it was... Uh, a 0-0 draw, which both teams are pretty happy with in the end. Uh, Real Madrid, of course, looking ahead to Paris, but uh, losing out on Kylian Mbappe, who committed his future to Paris Saint-Germain. We'll uh, probably have more time to talk about that in, in future, but, uh, but for now, at least, that ended goalless. Uh, elsewhere, Atletico Madrid won 2-1 at Anoeta to close uh, an indifferent season for them, but uh, nice for them to end with a win. It means they finished third ahead of Sevilla. And uh, again, in every one of Simeone's seasons, he has finished in the top three. So another kind of tick in that box. Um, Rory, any reflections on, on that kind of top half? We've, we've spoken about Athletic, but yeah, Sevilla getting a win as well. The fans chanting Lopetegui's name at the end of the game. So potentially he might stay. Yeah, I think that's probably the most interesting detail from those, those games. I think uh, Monchi seems to be convinced that Lopetegui is his man, that he's going to stay uh, and that he is the man to take them forward. Whether he is, we'll find out. I think if he does stay, then the recruitment needs to be really good this summer. I think they need to change. They need to hit on a striker, regardless of how much potential you think the two two up top have. And, and Rafa Mir got a really nice goal today, it should be said. But, but yeah, I think if Lopetegui is staying, I think there'll need to be a bit of a turnover of the squad just to freshen things up there. Yes, indeed. Well, after 380 games and 951 goals, that is the end of the La Liga season. Uh, but it's not the end of this podcast. We still have MVP to come. So, Rory, who is your first pick, please? My first pick, um, I'm going to go with Gonzalo Melero, who, who's, I think, well, he scored two goals and he was pretty good for Levante in a pretty open game. And Melero is one of those that you wonder if he's going to end up somewhere else this season, uh, or next season, sorry. Uh, definitely scored a couple of very nice goals. Um, and there's there's one where he's sort of, he has the option open and he's outside edge of the box, but just doesn't bother with it. Just finishes into the corner very calmly. And he wasn't celebrating too much, but uh, yeah, he's a quality player and, and that's what I'm going for him. Uh, my first pick's a little bit niche, but I'm going to go with Kike Perez. Uh, two goals off the bench for Elche. Uh, it was 1-1 with Hatafe at the time, but he comes on with about 20 minutes to go and scores two late goals, takes them very well to 
give Elche that kind of resounding home win. They were the ones celebrating on the final day last season with their salvation after jumping out of the bottom three. But all much calmer this time around, having sealed survival. And yeah, nice for Kike Pereira to get that brace. Is um, the first Elche sub to, to score a brace in the 21st century, um, interestingly enough. Um, and yeah, so good signs there for Francisco. Uh, he's committed his future for next season too, Elche centenary year. So uh, yeah, a nice end to the season for uh, Kike Pérez and Elche. Um, who would you like to pick for your second choice? Second choice is Ferrat Murici or Mariki. Um, just brilliant impact. I mean, I mentioned it with Alex. Uh, the goal, especially Angel, the sort of wall pass that he plays is absolutely genius. Genius. I think it's there's something intensely satisfying about seeing a large supposedly not technically very gifted player playing sort of passes like that the second goal is his physical presence that makes a difference um and leads to grenier's goal and yeah he's just he he has embodied mallorca under aguirre especially but in this second half of the season his impact has been massive and without him their attack lacks a lot of direction but He's come up big for them time and time again. As Alex mentioned, even when he's not getting all of the goals or, or all of the assists, he's such a focal point for that attack. And strikers, they they are quintessential part of the kind of relegation battle. And if you can find one that gives you an edge over sort of the other teams, as Marici did, well then, they're worth their weight in gold. Absolutely. Another fantastic performance from the Pirate. Uh, I'm going to steal one from, from one of your favourites uh, for my final pick of the season. I'm going to go with Pache Espino from Cardiff. Um, again, everything on the line, travelling to Menifrota, it's chucking down with rain. It's, uh, it's everything set up to be one of those kind of a game where both teams come out and, and both feel deflated and defeated. But no, Pache Espino was determined not to be on the losing side. Um, three clearances, three interceptions, 13 recoveries, 10 duels won. He's just the all-round perfect fullback, isn't he? And his energy is just incombustible. He's just up and down, tearing down that flank. And uh, yeah, what a player he's been for Cadiz. And uh, if they can keep him, then that'll be an achievement in itself, I think, because I think a lot of clubs will be looking at him a bit like Javi Galan last season and thinking, Do you know what, we can probably steal this guy for a, for a cheap fee and, and upgrade, uh, upgrade that position. So yeah, um, a great, great moment from Lozano to get the goal. Um, he deserved it, of course, but also... I'm going to go with Pacha uh, for his all-round performance and kind of committed display. Uh, and his celebration at the end, which was magnificent. <laughs> uh, right then, so that's that's it. It's time for moments now, our final moments of the week. Um, Rory, I'm going to go with, with Real Sociedad, actually, because I know they lost on the night, um, but they fought till the end. They got a late goal into added time, uh, which gave them belief. It was, again, in the Basque country, it was absolutely bucketing down with the rain. You see the players' shirts at the end of the game, it, they are apps. They're sticking to the skin. It's it's that wet. Um, but the Real Sociedad fans, they didn't care one bit. They were still celebrating. It wasn't full by the end, of course. But the fans that were there were enjoying themselves, partying, and uh, they've got another season of Europe to look ahead to. Uh, so they're they're definitely very optimistic for the future with Imanol in charge. Um, but yeah, I'm going to leave the the final moment to you, Rory. So uh, what's your pick? Yeah, I could have gone with either something Mallorca or Cadiz related. There was tears in the stands at. Um, also sooner for from a Mallorca point of view but my favourite part of the celebrations was for Cadiz was the injured Ivan Alejo who was in the stands with the with the Cadiz fans and then sort of 
hop skipping and jumping all the way down when they scored and and yeah that was very comical to watch but uh yeah just in general the caddy fan fans as you say it was um absolutely peeing it down in the Basque country um at Mendy Sorotha as well and just to see a big large bunch of Andalusias on a Sunday night really late on it was kind of 9 10 p.m having a good old sing song with their team having survived right in the corner of Mendy Sorotha was uh that's what football's all about. It, it was brilliant to see um, and, and very enjoyable to watch. It really was. And and the best thing about that is as well that the club have said that at 3am that they're going to be uh, touching back down in Cardiff. They're going to celebrate with their fans um, in one of the squares in Cardiff. Of course, by the time you're hearing this, listener, that will already have passed. But uh, I'm sure there'll be plenty of videos and, and photos on social media. So check that out. Uh, yeah, Cardiff very much celebrating their, their permanence, as they say in Spain, in La Liga. Uh, so yeah, that, that's it. That's all we've got time for. Uh, match day 38. The season is over in La Liga. The, the season does not end here though because we've got that massive Champions League final, Real Madrid against Liverpool in Paris next Saturday. Kylian Mbappe said he's going to be Madrid's number one fan. I'm not sure if they really want him to be anymore, but hey-ho. Uh, so yeah, all that remains is to say thank you very much to Rory uh, for your contributions tonight and all season long uh, and to Benyat and Alex today. Um, we, we will have a season review podcast coming out we're not entirely sure when that will be but it will be coming out in the next couple of weeks so uh, stay tuned for that where we'll, me, Rory and Sam will, will be on there to discuss all things and kind of evaluate the season as a whole and, and various different clubs and how they performed uh, but for now thank you very much for listening for throughout the season it's been a pleasure bringing you these podcasts I hope you've enjoyed it uh, commiserations to the relegated sides and congratulations to the champions Real Madrid and all those sides that have achieved their objectives. Um, We'll be back next season for many more, but uh, for now, adios.